Hey y'all, welcome to Garden Pepper Presents Podcast. Today, my guest is Isidro, uh, son of Tejero, and uh, we talk about life and philosophy and how it relates to tacos. And when you grow up in a taco truck and uh, it gets to be a big business, uh, you really understand a lot about work, you understand a lot about life, and you understand a lot about tacos. Isidro has a special talent for pulling metaphors uh, back to tacos with almost everything. So this is fun. Listen up for that. A little bit about me and the Garland Pepper Presents podcast. If you've been a listener, you'll notice that I have slowed down. I have slowed down the amount of shows I have, which is okay because I don't imagine you've listened to them all. So go ahead and go back and listen to some old shows if you'd like. Uh, Try something you may not think you'd like. You might find some thoughts there that you had not thought of before. So... Hopefully, we're doing some of that with the Garden Pepper Presents, opening up your mind, making you think a little differently, uh, making you think nicer, kinder, better. Um, so, uh, things Garland Pepper's up to today. Well, Gary, Garland's going to report on Gary. Gary is doing um, daily gratitude daily and facilitates a group of gratitude warriors in a gratitude space, and that's how he starts his day. Gary's also doing a, a, a room or a class on Pronoia. It's a interrogative class, a facilitated learning experience on the concept of paranoia's opposite twin, which is Pronoia, the idea that the universe is conspiring in your favor. So that's what's happening. And with that happening, I'm also doing some table reading rooms uh, where we do some readings of scripts. And also, I'm in acting school, so doing a little acting class every Monday, Monday mornings, Monday evenings, Tuesdays, all day, also till midnight, and if if I can make all four, I'll make all four. If I'm not, I'm going to make at least the Monday morning class every week, and I'm going to be in an acting reality real soon, so look for me folks up on the big screen shaking your bones with some serious truth telling and uh this is garland pepper presents listen up isidro's a fun show man and you can catch his show at 10,000tacos.com so look that up on whatever device you got google play you got apple podcasts whatever you got that plays podcasts you can find 10,000 tacos on it. So get on in the game and listen. He just does little short bit philosophies and wraps it all up in a burrito shell or gives it to you in a taco. So, hey, uh, enjoy the show. I'm loving you all. Have a great day. Uh, Please don't be a stranger. Uh, Tell your friends. Love you. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Garland Pre- Pepper Presents podcast. Today, my guest is Isidro Salas. Isidro is the son of a taquero. He is a taco fanatic. And we're going to talk about tacos and the value of tacos in our lives. And uh, he's got about a million metaphors for tacos. He's learned how to work them into his life. And and I, we're going to get to hear uh, this whole comeuppance, the whole comeuppance of Isidro uh, in his life. Uh and and uh, it starts in what, San Jose or Santa Cruz? San Jose, yeah. Starts in San Jose. Well, actually in Mexico. <laughs> oh, so you started in Mexico. Yeah. So thanks where for having me, Mexico. Where's man. Your family from? Uh, we we were yeah. Well, we were 
I was born in this uh, state of Aguascalientes, which is uh, one of the smallest states in Mexico. And it's central Mexico, a little bit north of the city of Me Mexico, about two hour drive. And so we we were born there. My dad is from uh, this neighboring state called Zacatecas. A lot of rich history there. But in the late 70s, we we moved to San Jose and uh, made that journey. And as I got older, I realized how important that journey was in shaping my life. And I wanted to do something about it. So that's what uh, what I, lo I love to talk about, just being a part of a, a family that came to America and achieved that American dream, right? Which is to have a good life and do good things. And Agua Caliente. Yeah. So there's a town, uh, I used to live in Sonoma, California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little bitty town right there called Agua Caliente. Yeah. yeah. Aguas Calientes is the plural, I guess. Hot waters instead of hot water. Be yeah. But water in itself, like it's not, it's, is it plural or is it just singular? I mean, that, yeah, well, that's maybe an important question. Several, several pools of warm springs. So I imagine there was probably warm springs there. Yeah, no. Or it could I, be like Kalamath Falls, Oregon, which has no falls. <laughs> Seriously, they named it that as a PR stunt and they don't even have falls. Well, that's what Taco Bell did. And it worked. <laughs> they named it Tacos. I'm like, oh, crap, it's working. Yeah, we, we're, getting, we're getting crowds. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not, a, not a big fan. <laughs> Taco Bell? No. You know, when I was a kid, uh, Taco Bells weren't that bad. You know, they did have the kind of the fake. They were the first with the fake crunchy taco. Well, you know, I'm, one of my friends brought this up, and I'm honoring that. He said, stop using the word fake. And I thought, that's good. Yes, you're right. Because it it's food. Yeah. I think Taco Bell is American food. And American food is fast food. Now, I have a few other friends who dispute that. And they actually get pretty angry. Because this one friend in particular, he has a restaurant in Southern California, an Italian restaurant. And so he's looking at it from a different angle. You know, because, and we came from the restaurant world and food, public, you know serving to the public. So I get that. But, you know, I I never when Taco Bell wasn't a big issue when we were growing up. It only became an issue when I started to meet people who really thought Taco Bell was Mexican food. Yeah. And it isn't. And I somebody asked me, well, what do you kind of what kind of food is? And I said, it's, it's American. It's no different than McDonald's. Uh, Carl's Jr. It, it's it's American food, fast food, convenient food. Not always the healthiest, but, and he had a problem, but I, I view it as uh, no different than McDonald's. I, I could eat McDonald's. McDonald's is pretty good, but it's not healthy, but that's not the point, but it's, it's American food. I mean, it's uh, fast food convenience. That's what America sometimes is about, right? The good and the bad. Oh yeah. No. I mean, what brought us to this place? You know, um, fast food wasn't big when there was, you know, one person at home. Because to do food right, it's a whole nother job. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So now, either one parent or the other or both, in many cases, come home and make dinner if, they, if that's an important priority to them. But they actually have to put their life, they have to make their life kind of designed around that. There's time every day that you have to cook, clean, and, and, and break bread with your family. 
Yeah. And let's face it, that whole process, it sucks, right? The cleaning part, the having the space, the trying to do it right. I equate it similar to a baseball, professional baseball or football player, anything, any profession that pays you to do sports, right? And yeah, we grow up thinking that there are heroes and this and that, that they're, you know, under the lights and the camera, but we don't ever second guess or we not that the second guess but we don't look at what it took for them to be an elite athlete oh yeah and the hard work the practice the dedication the amount of money the resources the support right and it and people think that it's just two hours they go out and play a baseball or football game and they hit a home run and they, they, no they have to practice to stay at top of the game right. and so cooking is the same in the sense that just when we break bread it's great right having the family around but the people who put that together <laughs> eight hours in a traditional dish. I mean, sometimes we think it's a, a two, you know, 20 minute thing. No, I mean, uh, let's take mole, for example, it's a overnight thing yeah. for it to come out good. Mm -hmm. So whenever you watch a uh, cooking channel and they say, Oh, I can make mole in 20 minutes. They're liars. They're liars. And well, they're not getting the infusion <laughs> you get mole flavor on top of meat. Yeah. Right. They're not yeah, getting it. Yeah. It's not even that. I, I don't know. Production that needs to happen. There's yeah. a whole bunch of stuff that needs to happen. And that's part of the name mole. Right. And you say mole, you can't. You know, you, some people try to say, well, I, I'm trying to get the, you know, it, I call it whatever I want. No, no, you can't. It's, it's, it's like trying in the wine industry saying, well, this is a Merlot varietal. You just can't. People in the wine industry will kick your butt. will say, no, you can't. And in some cases it's illegal. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, yeah, it is uh, very provincial now. Um, you know, France got really particular when California started coming out with better sparkling wines than them. And they said, well, OK, you can call them sparkling wines, but you can't call them champagne, champagne. anymore. Yep. Champagne and, is a region. And it co it'll cost you money. And it worked. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's one of the things that we're seeing with Mexican food and maybe a lot of cuisine, especially in America where people will say, hey, this is a, a mole, and it's not. And, and, you know, some of my friends, we've been talking about, uh, let's let's put something together. Let's, let's see if it, to help preserve the, not so much the integrity, right, but the tradition. Look, moving forward, we, we, we understand the, the difference between somebody being innovative and coming up with something new. Uh, based on a traditional thing, right? It could offend some, but if you do it the right way with respect and you respect your elders, your ancestors, where it came from, I don't think people would have a problem with that. I mean, just ask Sting, right? He gets paid every time somebody tries to do a rap song with every breath you take. He gets paid. <laughs> right. So I don't think he minds, but no. some people, right? <laughs> you know, uh, I think let's, it was it. Let's, let's, let's think about this whole American food thing because that's a real interesting topic for me. Because like we see where um, we kind of put ourselves in this place where, you know, when I was a kid, you went to sports. Your parents didn't know you went to sports until the games. Right. So you didn't yeah. go to every practice. Mm -hmm. Right. We just went to practice. You know, <laughs> told mom at the beginning of the thing, yeah, I'll be going to practice these days of the week. And, and, and then she didn't expect you home. That was it. Yeah. Right. And now the kids are there every practice. I mean, the parents are there with the yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, Full on cultural thing. So they're not cooking food, you know? I mean, that's they're, the whole thing, like soccer moms, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
moms aren't playing soccer. They're driving the kids around. <laughs> right. And they're sitting there and they're, and they don't have time to do anything like to, uh, you know, so they're working on whatever project they have from work, watch or, you know, most of them are just engaged with the kids or, or with each other having, you know, it's good conversation time, good time to hang out. But in the end, they don't have the time. So they, they stop on the way home and they grab a kid, a bag, you know, they grab a bag of burgers. Right. Or they, be, or they grab, a, you know, really good Mexican food at Taco Bell. Happy. <laughs> yeah. Great, authentic Taco Bell. Cuisine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so but that's the thing. And, and so that's what's changed it. But people have started to get move away from it. We've started to see, you know, I think you do a lot of things blindly and then it finally comes in and you go, oh, this is American food because now it is. It is American food because that's what America eats because. America has designed itself so that it doesn't have time to be at home and make food. Mm -hmm. So, but what's happening is the new hobby. People are becoming hobbyists with food. And what I'm really excited about is just like America itself. And as we've saw with California cuisine and, and, and all that is it's a pastiche. It's going to be a blend. It's always going to be a blend. You, know, you can't call yourself authentic anymore. Yeah. But, you know, boiling meat is not great for meat. Yet crawdad boils are a common thing. Mm. So David Chang's uh, down there in, in, in Louisiana. And, you know, the Vietnamese you know, came down there um, in, in, in pretty big numbers and became fishermen. And so they started doing their crawdad boils. They were doing them traditionally forever. And then, you know, some young buck with, with an idea decides, you know, what if I fried these instead in all these seasonings and oil? What would happen? Mm. And now all of a sudden you've got this langoustine that's just, it's got all the flavor packed in and you're not boiling meat. So interesting concept that comes along because people think differently about a traditional item. Well, langoustines, and I'm not sure I'm saying it right, but they're, they're I mean, they're la they're crawdads, right? Yeah, crawdads. Uh, it's a very popular dish in Mexico, and it's not cooked in boil, right? It's uh, cooked in the sauce. It's fried a, in sauce. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know if it's called fried, but I mean, it's it's you throw them on a frying pan, and you know, you throw that sauce on there, and yeah. They're they're ready in in a in a few minutes. Doesn't take long, does it? Mm -mm. No. And we so out the creek, out back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to go crawdad fishing. We used to call it that, and especially if you found them, like, um, you know, totally separate concept. But uh, what's making its way up the you know geographical chain, if you want, are the insects from from like Oaxaca and eating insects, chapulines, right? Grasshoppers. Yeah. And people like, oh, they get freaked out. Like, oh, my God, how can you? But they have been around for a long time and they've been eating for a long time. They're, they're nutritious. They're, got, they're packed with proteins. And I pose the question to people when they get grossed out. I'm like, you eat shrimp. Have you ever peeled a shrimp? You know, I mean, you look there. They, they have eyes. They have they have uh, little legs, whatever they're called. And they're yeah. shell. I mean, shrimp is. Are they the insect of the sea? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And we don't mind putting them shrimp scallop and making them with garlic sauce and all this great stuff. But, uh, oh, you introduce uh, 
uh, you know, grasshoppers. And all of a sudden, oh my God, you're, you're, you're barbaric people. That that's the thing that gets me about food in, in today's modern times, right? Where something that was totally dismissed a long time ago is now a craze. Mm -hmm. And the people taking credit for it are getting rich and that, that, you know, some may argue that, well, you're just hating on the process. No, I just, you know, the guy who invented Chipotle, you know, I'm here yeah. in Colorado and he's a, uh, he, he's not even part of the company anymore. I think he's, he's moved on. And first he, he's in San Francisco in the mission district and he falls in love with these burritos and he decides, well, I'm going to open up my own place. And then, and on top of that, okay, open up your own place. And then he calls it Chipotle and he trademarks it. Chipotle chiles, they're jalapenos, uh, but they're they're dried or, you know, and I, I don't know too much of the history, but it's a sacred chili. It's it's sacred to our culture and totally desecrated by, you know, when people think of Chipotle, they think it's a food. It's mm. not. It's it's a or a fast food chain. Yeah, it's mm. sacred to our culture. It's very sacred. Yeah. Yet people in America go, well, I'm going to make money off it. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're really serious about it, then, you know, invest some money down into the people who need it. The people who grow it, like farmers in Mexico are struggling. Right. And a lot of that has to do with the North American trade and free trade agreement. Somebody's getting rich. Somebody in Mexico is getting rich, not the farmers. Yeah. Right. So it's it's those little things that we need to be conscious about when we're giving our money to corporations like and look corporations it's no secret they it, they're there to make a, a profit yeah. but they also have an obligation too right mm -hmm. you know they, yeah. they have an obligation some people get it right yeah. some companies get it right and uh, others don't so no it's interesting when you say you know fusion there's a difference between fusion and con fusion some people put the con in fusion yeah <laughs> and, and what do you get confusion yeah. <laughs> So I have a friend who's doing, um, they're doing, she's doing Mexican food up in New Hampshire. Right. And, uh, she's, she's Mexican American and, and she met up with this guy who's Mexican American. He's like a chef guy and he does like whole goats and stuff on Sundays, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they discovered that there was a corn that existed in the area that the native Americans used. And, uh, it's a, like a rainbow corn, you know, it's got all the, like, like you would think mm -hmm. Indian corn. And they decided to create their own tortillas for their own restaurant so that they would have a trademark flavored tortilla that was also traditional. And so they have a farm that they contracted with that, you know, does heirloom products. And I got, she sent me a package because we did a show. I did a show with her and, uh, they were so delicious. It was a different flavor. It was definitely a different flavor than um, than the white or yellow corn tortillas that you get. Yeah. Uh, it was a little creamier, a little nuttier. Very delicious. Yeah. It's um, a different experience though, right? It really was. And it, it changed the whole experience of eating, you know, whatever meat I had in there and, and vegetables, you know. Uh, it was really delicious. Yeah. Of course, I grew up, you know, my, my, uh, my friend, uh, Joey Gonzalez, 
uh, his mom, I don't know, it seemed like she was always making tortillas, man. Yeah. Like all you, day. You grew up in San Joaquin, I think you said the San Joaquin yeah, Valley. San Joaquin Valley, and yeah. this was when I lived in uh, I think it's Delhi, you know, in in the up up to, going towards uh, Merced yeah. that way out of out of uh, Turlock, and uh, so Joey's mom seemed like she was always making tortillas, and she was uh, we would just go in, and so the way I always ate them over there was you just go in, and she would you know pat them out and. And then uh, put them on the stove, like the flame was right there, and put them on the stove, and they bubble up, and then she'd throw some butter on it, and and then some cinnamon and sugar. We'd put that on ourselves, and she's now get out of here, you know. <laughs> we get like a handful of tortillas. We would just keep waiting, you know. And then God, me and Joey, we'd ride all over on our bicycles, eating tortillas and finding enough bottles so that we could buy a full bottle, you know, finding mm -hmm. enough bottles, Pepsi bottles for like three cents. And then you turn them in. And uh, if you get enough of them, you could get a bottle with, with Pepsi in it. So that's what, yeah. that was our Yeah. Thing. Wow. Now, I, you know, I grew up in San Jose, which is the coast of California, central or north. They call it Northern California. But to me, Northern California was closer to, to Oregon, right? That, that, that to me would sound like, you know, what would be Northern California. But when they say Northern California, uh, I guess they're referring to nor North of LA. <laughs> so, but, you know, I didn't know this about the state, how rich, how lucky we were to have settled in that area in that time. Oh yeah. Magical, right? Like California, people often say, obviously, if it was its own country, it would be the fifth largest economy. Yeah. And but even in California, you have the same problems other other communities face. Like the Central Valley is is for the most part got ignored for many years, even though it's a producer of like most of the country's vegetables and produce come yeah, out of there. Yeah, I think that's the I think it's the third largest economy is agriculture in California. Or as far as yeah, wine, ninety five percent of all the wine sold in America, and again we're talking about california so you could probably make the argument for the whole you know for globally yeah 90 95 of all the wines produced come out of the modesto area yeah yeah right people think oh you know you ask them it smells, where, it yeah. smells like rotten grapes yeah, yeah. well but, it did but, back in the day probably not so much anymore they've gotten better at stuff like that yeah but, but if you pass by one like of these yellow oh yeah. my god yeah, Gallo and Bronco Wine Company, two of the biggest companies in the game. Mm -hmm. And when you ask people, just they think, oh, it's Napa. Napa counts for like less than 1% or something like that. But, you know, Napa gets the credit for a lot of these uh, luxury or, or brands. But, you know, most people don't realize that Central California it produces a lot of uh, stuff that we eat, but yet the communities are still poor, right? And I don't want to say poor like, like 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 poverty but in some southern california towns right like uh in uh what's the county can it starts with a k uh it, it, like they're having water issues contamination oh, yeah. kettle county or something like that kendall some some county down by uh by 58 and southern you know in the southern tip of the what's the, the called the central valley um and, and you think about california by barstow yeah, rich, oh, very, very rich state, yet 
within the communities, you have some, some communities that don't get quality water. Like well, California is, is I, I think it's a macrocosm of, it's almost a, a future processor. Like the, if you want to see the future, watch California and you're yeah. going to see it. In a lot of, a lot of aspects. So you're right. You so know. I, you know, I, I see one of the things that I remember being in California is that unless you have money, it's a very oppressive place to be because there's an assumption that everybody has money at some level and all systems require more there to operate in than other places. I mean, San Jose and I, I, I don't know if San Jose does, but San Francisco has its own city taxes and things like that. And San Francisco is in within the county of San Francisco. It's all in one, whereas yeah. other municipalities may be a municipality, but they have go uh, county government, then state government. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, San Francisco, sorry to cut you off, is one of the rare communities where they're, they get fined every single day by the federal government because of the way they discharge their water, the way they process their water. It's supposed to be separate, right? You're supposed to separate stormwater and, yeah. and sewer water. Um, they don't. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, look, it's still a safe place to live in, right? I mean, San Francisco yeah. is one of our iconic cities and, you know, it's not like people are getting sick because of the water, but there's there are federal laws that say when you discharge water and it needs to meet certain standards. S San Francisco has its own way of doing that that doesn't necessarily meet those standards. But people, I mean, money, I don't know. I, I don't want to get dark and evil, but people turn the other way. Like San Francisco doesn't comply with the law, but yet it's still doing what it does. San Jose, for example, it does have a sewer system. A sewer drainage that goes all the way through uh, up by uh, Alviso and has a huge plant that processes water there, almost a million gallons of, of, of raw sewage. And when they discharge it into the bay, it, it is clean. And it, it's, I mean, it, it could be, you could drink it. The problem is that you, you by law, you can't drink water that's been, uh, you know, that's come from right. a sewer. But so, we're going to have to get there one day. Well, you, could think, probably, you could probably think organizations like Surfrider and in, in, you know, in San Jose and, and Santa Cruz, there's a lot of environmental thinkers. You would think so in San Francisco also, but San Francisco's more entrenched. It's got a longer system of systems in place. Santa Cruz and San Jose, both of those places, especially San Jose, oh my God. It just blew up like you, you grew up there in the 70s. It was a small burg, yeah. you know, not too big. And then, you know, whatever property you guys had, you saw it exponentially become valuable. Yet that's a relative concept when everything else around you is the same. You know, you say something like the late 70s. I think the population was like, like the, the size of Fresno, right? 500,000. And that's a lot of people in itself, right? Mm -hmm. uh and in in 40 short years it gets to a million like and and it doesn't do it by um i mean every city has its problems but there's a lot of landmass san, san jose is very unique because it if you're driving 75 miles an hour and you get into the city limits you could be going 75 miles an hour which is pretty fast right even though you know yeah. <laughs> and without let's say no 
any traffic and 10, 15 minutes later, you're still in San Jose. If yeah. you do that in the East Coast, you've passed three states. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, San Francisco is not a big city. Um, in in San Jose, I guess is nestled. When you talk about Silicon Valley, that's it's San Jose, right? Yeah, it it's it's the Santa Clara Valley, where most people think that San Francisco is Silicon Valley. But you know, the relationship between that is how did it get there? Well, through marketing, through just people passing it and saying, "Hey, San Francisco, it's uh, Silicon Valley," and it isn't. And I think that's what happens. Bringing it back to food, people just assume that what they hear is correct. And, you know, that's what made Taco Bell. If you, every, every so often a study comes out or a survey and they ask the Americans, you know, their favorite restaurant, Mexican food restaurant, and they will say Taco Bell 70%. And how did it get there? Well, marketing and just, you know, I'm not saying Taco Bell's bad. I mean, there's some people that love Taco Bell because, you know, they grew up in it, right? They would meet their friends there. They would have family conversations or lunch, dinner or whatever. At, at, you know, and so to them, that's an authentic experience. Mm -hmm. So when you say that it's not real, it offends them. So we have to be careful too, right? That, you know, it's not your fault that you were lied to, but you were. <laughs> right, right. So one of the challenges with that whole question is that there's really only a couple national brands. And you mentioned them both. Oh, that there's one. more. I guess there are some like, regional big brands yeah but, right? but you've heard this right taco tuesday yeah it is a trademarked phrase oh it every, is yeah every well, time yeah. you use it you're you know if you're a restaurant you say taco tuesday to bring in people you're violating somebody's trademark um some guy owns that huh? yeah taco john taco it's john. In, in wyoming of all places right <laughs> really yeah yeah, he uh, he he trademarked it in 1989. Look at that. So, is he just needs like the ASCAP cops? Well, I, I you know I'm sure he sends letters or that organization sends cease and desist, but people don't know that, right? They don't they don't I've know that. And that. now, like the Taco Tuesday thing, which is annoying to me, but it it's associated with um like like Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo is not celebrated in Mexico, except, you know, majority part of it is in is in Puebla, where that place took where the battle took place. But yet here, you you know, you find these these festivals for Cinco de Mayo. And uh, what do people do? They dress up like what they think is a Mexican yeah. and they put on a hat and they put on mustaches and they're playing mariachi. And like, that's how people see Mexicans. And I, I'm Mexican. I don't look anything like that. As a matter of fact, I probably speak better English than most Americans. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that i did what immediately popped into my mind the whole cinco de mayo thing is cheech marin coming out of the sewer line and going what's this it's cinco de mayo it's something they celebrate here yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and it's a funny scene i want to uh I, i've been flirting with this and i don't know if it'll ever be picked up for the last couple of years i i put out posts on like i call it cinco de gringo because it's it's a gringo holiday uh, it's a it's a it's a holiday for Americans to go celebrate, similar to what they do for St. Patrick's. Like, isn't that the most maybe Wedo Cinco yeah, de Wedo? Yeah, Cinco de well, Gringo has a little bit more of a uh, Gringo Cinco de Gringo kind of like it, it goes yeah. with it. But you know, one of my friends brought this up on that that 
St. Patrick's, it's the, what are the words that he used? But he, he used a, an adjective like atrocious, despicable, like he, along those lines, because he, he says that it's one of the, those holidays that people will get drunk and go throw up on the footsteps of many of the churches, you know, St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick churches across yeah. our country. And they will throw up on the footsteps of churches. And it's, it, yeah, think about that. Like, that is so sad yeah. that, um, you know, people think St. Patrick's and you go get, you know, drunk. Get well, Cinco de Mayo is similar to that. Right? Some yeah. people call Cinco de Drinco. And look, if they're not alone, that the marketing machine of America, I mean, when it gets a hold of something, oh, if right? It's a holiday, it's good. If it, right? you know. you know, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, right? Veterans Day, like people died. <laughs> And we're going to go to a sale, Memorial Day sale. Like, yeah. like, think about it. That's horrible. The Alamo, right? The Alamo uh, is people died there. President's he, Day is the day to get a mattress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's sad, right? I mean, the other side of American culture is that we we love marketing. We love taking something special and commoditizing it. And I think people need to wake up to that. Now, it's not saying let's be a woke ma mafia, right? Being woke like that, that to yeah, me, yeah, yeah. That's, let's not do that either. Let's not go cancel stuff because somebody made a mistake in the late teen, you know, 1980s when they were, you know, 18 years old. Uh, and now they want to be, they want to run for governor and somebody pulls out a tape that says, hey, they were mocking or they were, they went to a Halloween party with, with a sombrero on. That's yeah. just stupid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we need to wake up to what, you know, hey, some things aren't as what, you know, do what you are offending somebody when you uh, put on the Native American things and go, go cheer on your favorite team, you know? Yeah, yeah I used to have a, uh, what, uh, not the Winterhawks, same logo, um, the Chicago hockey team there. Blackhawks. Yeah, I had one of those hats, a beanie that had that on it. And I was at a place and there was a Native American woman and she's just looking at me, you know, and, and like a Native American woman, she didn't have to say anything. I knew exactly what she was yeah. feeling. And I went, oh, man. And I think that, I you know, at some point it hurts. It hurts people. Right. Like I the word wetback is offensive. It's, it's horrible to call somebody a wetback. Yeah. But the U.S. government used it unofficial temp. That, that's that was a word, Operation Whitback in the 50s to round up as many Mexicans and get rid of them, and get take them down south. So imagine a a team somewhere, you know, knowing that, uh, hey, you know, let's just call them the Whitbacks. Like we would have a fit. It would be like, no. But and so when, you know, a team like the Redskins, you know, they, they changed their name and the fans are mad. Like, well, there were the Redskins. Come on, man. Like we, you're offending people. You're offending people. Yeah. And I like, like being offended is, is, uh, it, it's part of being human. It's going to happen every day. Yeah. You know how we handle that as human beings. I think that in one of the rooms, I'll never forget this, uh, Dr. Roshanak. Yeah. Right. And she put it so eloquently. I love hearing her. Um, I always feel like a connection, like, man, I think, and, and I mentioned that I have a brain, brain crush on her. Like yeah. I have a voice crush on Candace, but I have a brain crush with Dr. Roshanak, right? When she says, when you're mad, 
it's a violation of expectations, right? That I could relate to that, right? So yeah, just a real clear are, way of saying. Yeah. What are your expectations in life, right? Are you expecting to open the door and have a nice <laughs> day, and then somebody passes by and calls you a bad name? You weren't expecting that, right? right? But right. like, if somebody didn't serve you um, the the pancakes that you ordered at the right temperature. Yeah, that's a violation of expectation, but does it, does it want you being like throwing dishes everywhere and going, ah, this is like, you know, we, we have to manage our own expectations Yeah, because the world is going to disappoint you if you think it's, 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 it's here for you, right? Order blueberry pancakes. I expect to see some fucking blueberries. Yeah. Yeah. Fuckers so, back. You know, how big do you want to go with it? <laughs> yeah. And so we have to manage our own expectations and they have to be pragmatic. They have to be real. Right. And a lot yeah. of that we could throw out the window, right. The way we were raised that, you know, Hey, all these uh, things, these expectations that we were raised to sometimes, you know, they serve their purpose back then. And now they don't like, Correct. I'd rather live a peaceful life. Right. So where I used to get angry of people saying that Taco Bell was, you know, that was 20 years ago. Now I'm like, well, a taco is open. I'd rather be open. I'd rather be hearing people. And I've met so many cool people because I've changed my mindset. And I, I love saying that I was wrong. Right. Yeah. We got raised. It's like, no, man, you don't ever admit that you're wrong. Cause you know, yes. people, yeah. they won't respect you. Like one of the most liberating things in the world is when you admit that you are wrong. Cause you just let it go. You're like, huh, I don't have to carry that with me. Like, yeah. So I was wrong. Whoop do you do? You know, the best part about that is you get to learn the, the new thing, the right thing. Ah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's that whole scientific approach that a lot of people don't understand. They land on an idea and they're like, this is the idea. You know, and I'm reading Goodwill Hunting because I've been reading through that script a lot lately because I'm mm -hmm. working on a piece that uh, for, the, for the acting school I'm getting into that I'm in. And uh, you got to submit a monologue. So I'm working on this one monologue, but there's this line in there where Will had had done something to this formula that this other guy had like been the penultimate of, right? He was the king of this, this formula or whatever. And there was nobody else who could do anything else with it. And Will did another thing with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I forget exactly how the line goes to the professor who has just lost his placement on the rungs of science. But the other professor goes to him, he goes, it looks like your theory has been improved. So what I really liked about that is he gave it back to him. He says, it's your theory. And then he also said, and it's doing what science is supposed to do. It's been improved upon. Right? So I really loved how that statement is. And it's just one statement and it, and it really is an opening eye to the process of continual growth and continual opening to understanding. I think it's yeah. Well, it's a different way of looking at it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now that's pretty cool stuff. Hey, so uh, I got a question. Mm -hmm. Were you guys a mobile truck? Did you have a route that you kind of ran, or did you have a spot? We had both. You had both. Did you have both. two trucks or? At some point we did have, we had three trucks. So the, to answer that question, I'm glad you asked. Not a lot of people ask us that because when people think of food trucks today, they think yeah, of just parking it in a corner. Yeah, yeah. So the answer was we had both. What we did in the morning 
in the afternoon, morning, we would go on a set route that my parents started to, you know, go to places, um, construction sites, office buildings where they had a set route, like at 930, they had to be somewhere. And then at 945, close the doors and drive 15 minutes to another place, maybe across yep. town. Mm-hmm. So that was five days a week, Monday through Friday. And then Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, we would park at a corner in East San Jose at this little bar called El Metro. And there we would, you know, we get there like 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the uh, afternoon. And we would just open our doors and stay there. And it was a nightclub. So the majority of our clients were, you know, they were night goers food yeah. music and the busy time was at 1 45 to 2 30 in the morning sure that's when the nightclub got out gotta put some food yeah. on those booze yeah. i didn't think about this but like six to two six to three that's an eight hour shift yeah and my dad and mom when we during the weekdays they they'd get up like at four in the morning and their first stop would have to be like 6 15 yeah and then, and then, you know, my mom would come home. He'd drop her off at, I don't know, one thirty after the, the, the lunch, uh, rush. And then my dad would go back out and park in one area and, and come home at eight o'clock at night sometimes. And sometimes, you know, throughout those years, sometimes you would have a route at night uh, at a school, right? Be there at eight fifteen when the, the, the night school is being let out. Uh, it was just a fa- magnificent experience, man. I mean, so many memories come out of that. Just to give you an example, my parents weren't native speakers, right? They they never learned how to speak English properly. But when we needed to take the test, for me, it was easy to take the citizenship test. Well, my mom and dad didn't know anything about American history or anything. So you have to pass this test. Yeah. So they they enrolled at a local night school around the corner from where we lived. Well, eventually that worked right so imagine working all day and then having to go to night school a lot of people do that every night right yeah, well, yeah. my dad and mom eventually they would they eventually made a route out of that like people were like oh wow you have a, a, a truck and my dad would take the truck to go to school there and then would open up the doors and eventually they we passed the test they passed the test and it became a route <laughs> that became part of the route for a while yeah, uh so, you know, it's just good stuff, man. But yeah, we did both. And that's that's one of the things that I love talking about on, on the podcast that I produce is those stories. But when I started to work and at a young age, earning, you know, a, a, an hourly wage, we, we, we had already been prepped to be good employees. Yeah. Because that's all we knew. Yeah. So, all you know is to show up. Show up and do a good job. Yeah. It's yeah. no longer good to show up. Now you have to be competent. How many people, you know, in my career, I have a pretty good career. I'd hire people and they didn't have a clue. Uh, my wife uh, does recruitment for a living and she's, she, she does talent management and recruitment is part of that. Mm-hmm. She, she hired a person very well qualified on paper and oh. uh, diversity and inclusion, right? She, she needed somebody to, and this person had 10 years experience from the late, late thirties. Um, and all she does is Google stuff. And it's like, wow, like you needed no more. And she, nobody ever told her that that was the wrong thing. 
Like you can't go around just Googling stuff today. Like you have to know your subject, right? Right. And so there are people getting jobs today, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And all they do is Google. It's crazy, Gary. Now I don't want to diminish the, the youth or anything or, but, but like there are people who really get away with freaking Googling shit. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. My, uh, my brother-in-law did that, got a job, held it for a couple of years. He's pretty quick on the uptake. He figured he could figure it out, but he got in on some manufacturing gig where he was supposedly some sort of engineer. He just filled it out the way he knew they wanted it filled out. And he's, 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 uh, he's an influencer type. You know, in terms of like, he can influence a conversation and make it go the way he wants and he can, you know, own a room. But, you know, it takes a while till you figure out he's full of shit and then he can keep telling you he's not. He's one of those really good at that, gaslight the hell out of almost anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, he held on to it for a couple of years, but it finally comes down. It finally, the hammers finally, finally gets hit in every section of the life. If you're faking yeah. it, it comes down. It just does. You know, I have uh, someone close to me who, who does that who's been doing that all his life. And, you know, I've known this person for, for a large portion of my life. So I've grown up with this person. I could see, like, I used to joke around, like he could sell condoms with holes. Oh yes. Right. And like, (laughs) that's like, you think, well, how, why would somebody, well, there's a market for that. And if there's a market, people will buy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so now that we're approaching our fifties, he's uh, same age as I am, you know, I'm, I'm approaching my fifties. Yeah. Uh, there's several events that have happened to him that have really challenged him. And one of those events, uh, he lost a friend to suicide, a really close friend to suicide. And he's not, he's not dealing with it. Well, you know, this is somebody who he was very close to. Mm -hmm. And I bring that up because, you know, I I lost a friend to suicide uh, about two, two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I view suicide different than most people. And the reason I bring him up is because this person that I'm referring to doesn't know how to handle that. Like he, he went through life bullshitting and getting his way, manipulating, making people feel sorry for him. And at some point, like you work so hard. It's almost like you work so hard at trying to not get caught cheating that if, if you just, studied a little bit you would have been okay yeah you would have gotten a c or b thing about a lot of these slicky boys they're too smart for their own good and then when time comes when that when these checks that you wrote out a long time ago are going to come back to get cashed you don't know how to deal with it and this person doesn't have enough people around him to tell him that uh, he needs help that that the people around him that have always uh nurtured him and gotten him away with the crap that he he did now it's time to pay the rooster and he he doesn't know how to handle it and some of some of the people around him were um they're concerned you know some of our friends were concerned like you know he you know he might not make it through this because the 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 suicide was was one of a few things that happened in in his life that are pretty tragic but Life will always throw you like I, I and these talk quotes I have, like when life throws you a cow, you make carne asada, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so people, when they get a cow thrown at them, they don't know how to handle it. And I think that's what I'm seeing and go through. And I, I feel bad for him that he can't navigate his way through this. 
and and then somebody made the comment, oh, maybe he'll take his own life. And I'm going, as tragic as that is, I I I don't like it's not, I can't prevent that. Yeah. Uh it's it's just sad, you know. I just wish more people had, and and I'm starting to see this, uh, you know, what 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 you do in the gratitude room, right. You know, help manage that. I was there when you, you threw it out there. It was really cool. It's like, Hey man, what about people on the West coast that are barely waking up? And, and yeah. you threw yourself like that was no easy task to do, man. But it was very cool that like, I, I remember being in that room when you said, yeah, I, I want to do it. And yeah. how many people have you've helped just by opening the room for a little longer. Oh man. You know? and, so, and we're starting to build. It takes a little while. It does. You know, it takes a little while. West Coast is a completely different vibe than the East Coast. You can actually feel it. Yeah. Uh, East Coast. And this room started out as, as kind of a get up, say your vibe, get to work. Right. So it's real fast in the early morning because everybody is doing that. They're like, hey, I'm grateful and I'm going to work. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And then it comes across and and we end up with the people who maybe work later or just have a different schedule who are still on from the East Coast. And then we get the West Coast and West Coast is a little more chill vibe, little, little uh, longer shares, a little more rambling. But that's also because the room's not full and I'm not trying to push it through mm. so that everybody gets to share. So that's been kind of fun. So as it builds, that time becomes a little more constrained. And so that's that's a challenge that, that we have to consider is how do we do that with and, and make everybody feel whole and complete and heard. But that thing helps, man. It does like, it, you know, just giving gratitude. It worked for me when I was in a dark moment in my life uh, about 10, 10, almost a, almost a dozen years ago. And it, it helped like taking, I, I remember uh, one of my dark moments and I was trying to get out of it. I was in my office and I was just looking around like, oh, I have a freaking desk. I have a freaking desk. When I was a kid, I always wanted a desk and I have a phone. I go, I, I, have, I have a phone with my own line. I have a cell phone. I have a, I have, a, I have two freaking monitors in front of me. Mm-hmm. And just that moment, I remember going, wow, this stuff, this works. I feel better about the things that, that work around me rather than focus on the stuff that isn't working. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm not ashamed of saying this at that time I was in a bad relationship. And what happened is I, I walked in on her with another guy, you know, doing, and I, and I, I remember thinking people get this wrong, right? OJ got it wrong. Right. We, we yeah. sort of, we oh, sort of on right there. Yeah. How are you going to do that? Yeah. We, we dramatize like people love, love drama. So uh, a sex scene like that in a movie is, is hot, man. Cause it's, it, it, it brings out this emotion in us. And here I am in the middle of that going, wow. And I just remember going, if I do something stupid, I'm going to be in two years in prison, putting my hand on my head going, what the fuck was I thinking? Yep. She was not worth it. But if I do something good, it takes a lot of work and I do the right thing and I leave right now in two years, I will be saying I'll be, I'll be having the best time of my life. I believed in that Gary. And it true, true story. Two years after that, I'm in Scotland with my wife. Nice. She wasn't my wife at the time, but I'm in Scotland, with my wife. And I took a moment to go like, wow, this is what yeah. that looks like. And it takes work. Gratitude is a lot to do with that self-reflection right if you if if we've never would have invented a mirror how would we know what we look like right and then times that by 10 and go well how do you know what you look like from the inside and that's what i did i went inside and i said 
oh, I don't like what I, I got to see. I didn't like that. And I started to take responsibility and I realized uh, that I was a cheater too. Like the only difference between me and my ex-girlfriend is that uh, she got caught. I didn't, but that's yeah. nothing to brag about. Like I was a bad person too. Yeah. I used to, I used to be unfaithful to people. I used to hurt people by cheating on them. And uh, I didn't like that part of me, but when I looked at it and I admitted that that's what it was like, go fix it. Yeah. And it was, it was hard work. But it was also rewarding. And, and then you realize that the work is never done. Yeah. You always have to, uh, to improve. You always have to find things that you could, you could make better. And when you start doing, you get to a certain point and you should start uh, rubbing off on people. And that's, that's the cool part where people go, hey, how, how, that's cool, man. Like, you know, you, you yeah. don't get offended easily. Well, I still get offended. Yeah. But the way I show oh, up, well. is, yeah. The way I show up, I'd rather educate people, right? I'd rather go, hey, you're not, it's not your fault. Let me, let me show you about the culture, uh-huh. right? Let me, let me tell you about this couple in San Jose in the seventies that started the food truck that was selling that food. And people go, wow, that's kind of cool. Your dad was far ahead of his time. Like, no, no, there was already plenty of taqueros in, in that area at that time. But, uh, but there weren't that many. And I love telling people about my dad and my mom, you know, because it's a good story. It's a great story. I thought it was a common story, but no, it turns out it's not. Food's a big part of my life. I'm the one who cooks here, but my brother fell in love with paella because mm. we're Portuguese. Uh, you know, when you do the 23 and me, you're not as much as you think you were. <laughs> my <laughs> grandfather came over from the Azores, so I'm pretty Portuguese. And so he kind of, you know, t- taken that... Um, Portugal has their versions and Spain has their versions of paella. And so he just started getting into it. And then he decided he's going to make his own version of paella uh, using local ingredients. So he found a chorizo that he really likes that's here. So it's Northwest. So it's like he's going to embrace that. And of course, um, some linguiça in there for the, for the Portuguese and then chicken. And he does his own herb blends. He actually buys his herbs in bulk and he has a, bought a big herb grinder and blends his stuff. Uh, he's he's now he's been doing you know farmers markets and festivals. Um, you know he's a teacher on the other side of his life, but uh, so he does farmers markets and festivals with the paella, and people just love it because one the aromatics of it are phenomenal, yeah. much yeah. like Mexican food. Just you know, <laughs> he like what's that? I need to get that in there, <laughs> you know. And uh, especially it's got some anise, some star anise in there and, and wow. uh, cumins and some other just really aromatic things. And, of course, the saffron. And he's uh, big pans. You've seen the, the paella pan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's finally on his Saturday markets. He's got a big enough market now that he's actually doing the 72-inch six-foot pan. <sighs> yeah. He's got, the- you know, you just, you just reminded me the last time I saw my friend who, who took his life um last year was at a winery down in 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 um in the hollister area and the last uh, you know he my wife uh went to this winery down there i met him at a winery I'm, i i worked for him he was a good friend of mine i was he was uh he was my boss for a long time and i hated him but after i left and he retired we became like best friends and uh, that's the last time i saw him and it was at this winery and, and the, the, the winemaker who we also knew uh, had this huge thing of paella. I mean, it was just enormous. Like, like 
like it's, it's like it's like when you see a, a car with a huge rim like that doesn't belong right well these big old things right yeah and like massive yeah and 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 how the food could come out so good like these oh. are artists right it really oh. is an art right because you could take a pan and do your own thing for your own cooking whatever yeah. or for a family but you're you're making food for hundreds of people yes it's an art yeah right he's got it down and he's worked it's been 25 years of him kind of per perfecting it the whole way you know yeah. looking at this one element adding this other element and uh, he's a big gardener too so he his big garden thing that he does now is he just grows a, a bunch of uh habaneros mm. and a few ghost peppers and he makes his own chili a pepper sauce i bet it's all good it's damn good, man. You got to send me some of that stuff, man. <laughs> Zorro. Zorro pepper sauce. It's really good. Uh, so our last name's Fox. So he he goes with Zorro. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Brother-in-law, you said. What's that? Brother-in-law, you said? My brother. Oh, your brother. Okay. okay. Yeah, my brother, David. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's been real fun watching him do it. Because he just used to do it for passion. Like anytime we got together, he'd, he'd have his paella pan, you know, and there's a arabato arborio rice the big fat rice and he just it, uh, it's, it's great being a beneficiary of it and then <laughs> the, the real goal is to get what do they call it uh sucrat, you know the sugars the crispy yeah. bottom uh-huh and uh, so that's when all the all the oils and fats and sugars coalesce at the bottom and create this nice caramely crust people are like it's burnt nope that's the flavor. You see that in Korea and Korean um, dishes, right? Where yeah, yeah. like, uh, and I don't know if it's, it's not a molcajete, but it's this vessel that like, like molten rock kind of vessel mm -hmm. and the rice just hardens up there. And you're like, it's one of the best parts. It's like a burrito, a well-rolled burrito yeah. will give you the best flavors towards the end. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why people, they, when I hear them go, I hate burritos. Those are a waste of blah, blah, blah. It's because the art of rolling a burrito is gone. Yeah. It takes an art to put that burrito, close both ends and seal it up so that all the flavors, every bite, if you think about it, it's closed. So you don't know. Yeah. But if, if you roll that thing, right, when you roll it, right, all those, it, any bite that you take should incorporate all those flavors. There's magic in that. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, pe places like Chipotle who hire just somebody like, oh, they don't adequately train them. They right. just, and they, they roll these burritos and it's not even a burrito. It's a freaking ball. It looks like a soccer ball. Like, well, disappointing. Like how the fuck are you going to eat that? How are you going to get your mouth around that? Yeah. 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 And then they charge you $10 for chips and salsa. I'm like, uh, you know, as, as my uh, ancestors from Scotland would say, there's a travesty. <laughs> A travesty. Now I'm not even saying a it right. My wife, my wife's Scottish, so she hates it. Like, she laughs at me when I try to do it. It's accent. not a bad Scottish accent at all. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm not Scottish, so I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, she'd roll her eyes. <laughs> but once in a great while, I'll say something. She's all, okay, you got that one. I'll give you that. But then I'll forget because I, you know, I'm like a fish. I forget. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Scottish. They're they're fun. They're an energetic lot, aren't they? You know, I used to joke that um, in Scotland or in the UK, the Scottish are treated like the Mexicans. And oh, yeah. it's it's a you know, I've asked permission to uh, to say that. And I've asked Scots if, if I could say that, you know, it's important to ask. Right. Because um, you don't want to offend people. Um, but, like, but 
they they take it in stride like oh you know but the reason i say that and i know it's not fair but i once went to scotland you know my wife's from there so we we go back there as much as we can to visit family and i i had british pounds right and then i i, I bought something in, in this little town in scotland and they gave me change in Scottish pounds. Well, I went down, we were going to fly out of London. So I went down there and like, oh, you know, we're in, we're in London. And I went to go buy something and they wouldn't take the money. It's like, and they're, they're not shy about it. They're like, no, we don't. And even though it's legal tender, that's what they call it. It's legal tender. It's as much value as the British pounds. It's the same thing. But they'll be, no, nah, we don't take that here. Like, that's fucking discrimination at its best. That's the same thing that happens here, though. You can go down to Mexico with American money and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. And yeah, you bring a peso up here and it don't go anywhere. Yeah. But to be fair, they're two different countries, right? That's true. Two different currencies. Yeah. Over there. it's it, Imagine going. And this has happened to me, by the way. Uh, it's a one and only time I've experienced racism. Now, I've gotten my ass kicked by cops in San Jose three times in my life. And I, and I realized saying that today is like how freaking lucky I was that I didn't get killed. Right. Because people get killed by cops. Yeah, they do. And, and so that wasn't even a racist thing. I was down in Fresno one, one time in the early nineties, went to this town Clovis and uh, we went to buy some beer and the lady, the cashier at Long's drugs, Long's was a a popular chain back then before, um, CVS and Walgreens and, and ice cream cones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Long's drugs and Payless, right. It wasn't a shoe source. Um, but anyway, she takes the beer. The cashier does takes it and puts it away. And she says, and it's like, we're like, you know, we we're of age. We can. And she says, no, we, we don't serve your kind here. What? Yes. In Clovis. Yes. We don't serve. How did they here. serve? And we thought, oh, this has got to be a joke, right? We were there, ironically, for a mariachi festival in Fresno. But Clovis is known as one of those towns. You know, people still know it as that, even though it's changed. But there's, you know, Central California has a lot of uh, people that don't like people like us. They, they just don't, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, when, you, when you talk about racism in the South, it happens in California. And no, there's a lot of community in California. I grew up, you know, MLK was happening, right? Yeah. And Modesto split up in two sides. Uh, series, series, right? <laughs> series is total rednecks. Uh, well, they're all Portuguese rednecks, though. Portuguese and, and uh, Italian rednecks. But still, they're rednecks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anything else is out. But I remember, like, hearing my uncles and all the old people when I was growing up, my mom was different than than all of them, and she would actually argue, which wasn't common for women back then. But she would argue because she had friends of all colors and all races. She, very unique woman in that she never really, she sees souls. She always has, I think, and uh, she's kind of woman who just talked to anybody in a restaurant. She's just beautiful. Um, but around us were these racist old fuckers, you know, and they would say things, and and you know. My mom would sometimes say stuff and then, or she would just be like, no, that's stupid or whatever, you know, but she wouldn't let them get away with it, which was really kind of cool. But, but imagine um, being at the store, right? Being at a, at a 
chain and that's what happened to us and and as as we thought the, the, they she was joking she wasn't joking and then we saw a sheriff at the end of the by by the entrance the opening doors the electric doors old geezer kind of sheriff and we thought oh you know first thing on my mind like oh, this is the police <laughs> it's against the law he comes up and he says i want to say he called her shirley i want to say I, in my mind i mean it happened a long time ago but i do we have a problem here and then and then she goes no no they were just on their way out and he looks at us and he puts his hand on his on the holster right and his belly sticking out a little bit yeah he's all uh, do we have a problem here? Uh, all right. I'm glad we, I'm glad we have an understanding. You heard the lady. And we, and I remember thinking if we go to jail for whatever reason, we never make it out of here. Like it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. That's the only reason I've, that's the only time I've experienced racism at that level. And it doesn't even get you angry. And uh, Gary, it doesn't, it, it hurts. It hurts. And I think that's where, People who who criticize the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter, rather, I'm sorry, or when you know Black people are asking for things, or even Native Americans are asking for removal of a name, I think that's where people don't understand it. Frick, racism hurts. It doesn't get you angry. If it gets you angry, you're not in it, and that's okay. But it hurts. It freaking hurts to be treated differently just because of the color of the skin or what you look like. It hurts. That's the easiest way to look at it. It freaking hurts. And everybody's been hurt at one point or another. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, it's one of those. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. And, and I'm sorry that it still happens to so many. Yeah. You know, and it needs to stop. And we need to find the real connections. The real connections don't have a color. You know, Real connections are hearts, you know, it's people coming together. We're in this big fucking spaceship called Earth. And none of us make it out of alive, right? None of us. We were it's 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 a spaceship, right? We were going around like I don't know how fast we travel, but it's it's a shared planet, man. Yet what is it that divides us? It it's it's not always the color of our skin, right? Because in Scotland you could be white as hell and they won't take your money. So yeah. It's not really the color of our skin. No, it's tribalism. You know, speaking of England, I was thinking about that island. That island has some of the most entrenched tribalism for such a small place that, that, they're, that I've ever seen. I mean, I had friends who went over to, they were in, in Wales. And the, the restaurant's obviously empty. And they're going into the restaurant. And, they, and the lady, they go in and the lady goes, oh, I'm sorry, uh, we're, we're full. And... My friend goes, what? And she goes, oh, you're Americans. Oh, come on, man. Oh, you know? wow. And it was just like, if they were Brits, they couldn't come in. And it still exists yeah. there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like when I uh, talk to my wife, she's not a big into football, right? Because it's football over there. It's not soccer. It's football. But when when Mexico and the United States play uh you know, the even friendly matches or soccer matches, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's rough on me because, you know, my heart is with Mexico, but my, you know, I was, I was born in Mexico, but I was made in the USA. Yeah. Right? I took that saying from somebody in a, on our breakfast tacos room that we, we host. 
Yeah, yeah. And and I give him credit for it, but I, I I'm, I'm going to use it. I, I was born in Mexico, but I was made in the USA. Yeah. And so watching the Mexican team against the United States, it's I, you know, I my my heart goes to Mexico. So I asked my wife, like, oh, you know, when when um, you know Scotland rarely makes it to the World Cup, they they they're a good football club, but they rarely do, right? And it's different over there because Scotland is considered a country within a country. Here it's like imagine you know having California soccer be its own soccer team and then playing against the u.s right right it'd be weird right so so in scotland you know sometimes they don't make it so then i'm going by default you must cheer for for london you know for not london but but england their soccer team she's all fuck no no way no way we would we like (laughs) do it it's like asking somebody from minnesota to to root for green bay yeah you know yeah, Midwest. Yeah. They're in the game. Yeah. It's the Midwest. They're, yeah, exactly. That's a good example. Yeah. They would yeah. never do it. Hey, you see, know? I want you to make me the perfect taco right now. I want to. I want. I want from the beginning to the end. I want the perfect taco. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, it's impossible. What are we starting with? It's impossible. All right. What's the best taco you got right now? What's it start with? <sighs> Well, th- let me let me just say it, the reason it's impossible, it's because it doesn't exist. Right? Ah, the perfect taco, it's it's analogous to a life. Nobody has a perfect life. That's your every quest is the perfect taco. Yeah. Yeah. It's a journey. You never get there. But so what I will say, though, the perfect taco only existed to us. And it was perfect, not because of the physical ingredients it what it meant to us uh i often talk about hidden ingredients in a in a taco well one is trust right trust that you are going to cook the meat right that the tortilla is going to come out as as good as possible and warmed up to where it doesn't crack or 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 give so so trust is a good ingredient so the perfect taco would have to have trust. Um, it would also have to have forgiveness in it because think about it. The tortilla gets burnt by the comal and it still gives off a good scent, right? So forgiveness is, is part of a, a great taco, a, a perfect taco. Um, and then, and then it has to be enriching. So the salsa, right? The sauce has to you know, you could have a good taco without any sauce. And that it, look, if the seasoned, if it's seasoned correctly, fine. And it's carne asada has been cooked and nice. But but the sauce, it's not supposed to be too spicy where you can't taste all these other flavors, but it needs to be enriching, right? So when you think about how our lives, like when you enrich your lives, what does that look like, right? Like pouring salsa on a, on a nice taco and the, the sauce is glistening red and it's going in between the, the carne asada, but it's enriching the taco. Like when we enrich our lives, right? We're exposed to more, more, we're open, right? We're, we're taking in more stuff, right? We're open to different cultures. We're open to different experiences and we're more importantly open to admitting when you're wrong about those things that you could say you could be. So, so Liberty being freeing yourself, right? Releasing yourself from all these bad habits or bad thoughts that's part of the perfect taco. Right. And that's part of the enriching. So, so yeah, it would have to be enriching. Uh, it would have to be trust 
and forgiveness. Those are top three things of a perfect taco, but, right. but it's perfect to me. It may yeah. not be perfect to somebody else. Yeah. But I, but I think that if I were to serve you a taco that has trust, uh, good enriching salsa and a, a little, you know, some sprinkles of forgiveness because uh, the tortilla will come out right. Right. It has to let go of the offense. It, the comal just did to it because it just got burnt. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a perfect taco. <laughs> My two favorite tacos in Oregon. And I, I'm one of these people who, uh, I do tacos, burgers, and Rubens. I'm always looking for the best ones. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very rare to find really good any of those. But there's a place called The Stand in Seaside, Oregon. A Seaside is a town that's, you know, triples its population every weekend on in the summer, right? And even mm -hmm. in, actually most of the year. It's it's a it's a it's a destination, you know, to go hang out. Kind of like Santa Cruz, but mm -hmm. or Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. every weekend it triples its <laughs> right right so it's that kind of town so this place called the stand it's uh, actually a brick and mortar little place they work monday to friday lunches that's it mm. they close at five and they're open from like 10 30 to five and every good friday they go down to Mexico and they stay till Easter is over. Wow. And then they come back up. But I ordered some just asada tacos and uh, and a pastor. Because I always got to try people's pastor if they got okay, it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but these asada tacos, I swear to God, his grill must have been 5,000 degrees because everything was just crispy on the outside, tender on the inside. And, and all the spices came together and the shell was obviously homemade, kind of thick for, for a corn tortilla, but it was, it was, it was freaking delicious and, and seared just nice and crispy. It had some, it had some black spots on it. Um, oh my God. And I, my, my favorite taco is al pastor. Right? Yeah. So I can, I can relate. There's something there about pastor, but it's more of the experience. My mom made it differently. Uh, she never said it was traditional, but it worked and people loved it. And it's still one of my favorites the way, you know, recently she, uh, you know, a few years back, like, hey, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, I need, I need to, to recreate some of those tacos we used to make out of the truck. So you're doing it slow cooker or are you doing it on a spit? No, none of them. Neither. Neither. On the, on the, they call it the plancha, which is this huge comal in the back of the food truck. Uh -huh. So it's, it's this big old grill, the steel grill. Right up on just, the grill. Yeah. Which is, which is a challenge of its own self. Yeah. So it's a marinade. Similar. Yeah. So yeah, she'll okay. put the pork out there first and then the sauce. She'll, you know, at some point of the cooking process, uh -huh. just pour the sauce on there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she car, she puts some white onions to cook with it and, they just, it just, it just works, man. Like it, the, the onions don't caramelize, but they don't, they give off a little bit of this, this uh, yeah. sweetness that blends well with the pork, you know, and yeah, the yeah, sauce yeah. and the orange juice. Oh, it's just. Well, then that way you get a reduction, you know? Yeah. I always love a reduced sauce. 
I don't know why. It's just, it's a compression of flavors, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it brings out, always brings out your sugars and then your sugars attached to whatever seasonings are in there. I just love that. I love reducing things, you know, nice and slow and low. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like Taco Bell will never have that. I I can't, I'm not trying to bash it, but they will never have that. Oh, no. So when somebody's looking for a meal that's great and, you know, some people have the audacity of saying that, oh, Taco Bell's better than than food truck. Like, I, you're wrong. <laughs> right. Well, reduction is inefficient. It requires heat and time. So, you know. It's, it's counter to the American culture. Yeah, we want Taco, things fast. We want this now. <laughs> requires time is, is going to be considered as, as an obstacle. So they're going to figure out, well, can't we just compress all these ingredients together in a put some maltodextrin yeah. on there and, and make it feel like it was reduced. Yeah. You know, I often say that America, you know, the United States, what we've done for the world, we've had an impact on the world, oh, good yeah. and bad. And yeah. the good is that we've been able to export convenience, right? And we, we find ways to make things more efficient and convenient, right? 24 yep. hour stores being open, yep. the home delivery, right? Um, and it has an influence on the rest of the world, but the problem, the opposite of that is impatience. Yes. And when you aren't, you know, we, patience is part of life. Like it, it, like earthquakes are the result of, of tectonic plates that have been shifting for millions of years yet, you know, we, we judge it on the two or three seconds that the earth, like, Oh, that's an earthquake. Like it's been going on for a long time. And, uh, we were impatient. We're impatient and, and we, we criticize people. We talk about a violation of expectations. When you're, unpa- when you're impatient, you're going to be violated all the time yeah. by traffic, yeah. by sitting in traffic. And you're like, I should be home. I, I, I shouldn't be sitting in traffic for four hours a day. And you're going to be pissed and you're going to be road rage and you're going to piss off some. You're going to cut off somebody. You're yeah. going to impact their day. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to get home because you cut them off and they're going to kick the dog and the poor little dog didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, so it, it has a ripple effect and uh, we need to start addressing those things. You know, convenience comes at a cost. Expectations come from a perspective and you can yeah. flip your perspective anytime you want. Yeah. And if you decide, well, I'm going to go into traffic today with gratitude and rather than worry about traffic, I'm going to find my best podcast or my best music and I'm going to fully engage with that while I'm in traffic or I'm going to call my best friend hands-free and we're going to chat something out that we need to talk about. You can do anything you want with the time that you have and you can choose the perspective that you're going to follow on that path and you can choose to look at it like it's a big pile of shit and and you can look or you can look at it like it's amazing because it truly is always amazing all you have to do is look yeah i have this saying um tacos are life and cilantro is a choice (laughs) (laughs) well you have to say that because i know some cilantro haters like oh right but it's a choice and they get mad they're like oh i hate cilantro like it's a choice man it's a choice you don't don't have have to like like pain is 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 it's going to happen but we've talked about this we've been in rooms where suffering is a choice yeah i want to talk to i want to go back to your friend who uh who who doesn't know how to process his his friend's death and it has to do with 
truth and truth just smacking you in the head and you have to deal with it. There's no lie that undoes this. There's no way you can talk around it. It's the truth. And when it's, you know, when you spend your whole life living in place in, in, in a sense of kind of entitlement, because you could lie your way into almost anything, you could create any reality you wanted through lies. False sense of, right? Yeah, you, false yeah, foundation. Yeah. You, you have this idea that, oh, I can get out, you know, I can do this, yeah. you know, and, 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 but the truth is it's going to hit you. It's going to come back at you because everything's moving you know, in the right way, if you're looking at it and you just got to fess, fess up to the truths. And so that's, that's really his challenge is his first exploration into a territory he's unfamiliar with. Yeah. Co common sense says that the sun travels around the earth. Yep. And what I find is that my, my friend is, is, is vulnerable because he doesn't accept that truth to be that we live in a spaceship and we go around the sun and he doesn't want to admit that. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, most people like him that I've, I've come around, you know, I'm, I'm 49 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm seasoned. I'm, I'm still young, but mm -hmm. I, I have some life experience and I realize that people like him, they look at the world selfishly. It, they look at it as if they're the earth and the sun is going around them. Yep. Every person that I've met like him is they see them bigger than the world. Mm -hmm. Because even when he was telling me about the death of his friend, it was about him. Right. It was like, oh, man, I, I could have done something. Yeah. You know, he sat next to me. You know, we worked. We were partners like 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 I could like I could have. I No, you couldn't. Have. Like <laughs> I want to smack him <laughs> and say, right. no, you know unless you wanted to be there 24 seven. And even then, are you willing to wipe his butt? Yeah. Are you willing to, you know, clean him up when he, you know, when he eats his food or cook his like, no. And, uh, but how many people get conditioned to think that the world is about them? All right. And that's not the truth. That's what you're talking about. It's that you got to wake up to the truth. And the truth is this world is way better when we look at it from from it's bigger than us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of times in those cases, and I've seen, and I know what you're talking about, is this narcissistic personality disorder. And most of the time it happens at a very young age where, where the people that they were supposed to trust are untrustworthy. Mm, so yeah. all they have left is to trust themselves and they start, but they don't really have all the tools to navigate the world. So they have to develop tricks. And these tricks are many times with the really good ones in the form of lies. But don't we all wake up? Don't we all get raised with similar things? Like, and I, I, I know everybody's different, but when a baby cries, how many times do you see a baby that just cries and, you know, they've been changed, they've had their food, but they figure out at a young age, like very, like I could get their oh, attention can, if I can. I can manipulate this whole situation. Yes. I'm in charge. Right. Yes. Yeah. And how many parents give into that? Yeah. I mean, innocently, I'm not saying that all, like at some point that child becomes responsible and says, I can't do that shit. And some kids figure that out early and some kids don't. Some kids go, you know, if I make people, but look, look at the phenomenon with, with social networks, 
you make a post out there that life is bad for you. Everybody jumps in like, oh, poor Johnny, poor this, poor little Donnie. You, oh, the world is conspiring against you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pro no, yeah, right? Yeah. The opposite of that. And, and how, you know, how many that. of us when we say, wow, this... This is cool. I had my first tornado warning yesterday. I'm like, woo! I'm glad it didn't touch down, man. Some somebody's looking out for me, man. Yeah. yeah. And good thing you have a basement. Yeah. Just looking at it, and going, whoa, man. I've never been through this, but it's not against me. It's like, wow. Looking at it from the opposite, like my my, you know, one of my brothers told me, he's like, well, you know, at least you're not in California where you where you don't get any warning, like. God, what a perspective. Thank you for that. Isn't that right? a trip, though? Like out of the freaking blue. Yeah. All of a sudden, the whole earth starts to shake. You don't get a warning. Yeah. Where were you on the World Series earthquake? I was, I was in downtown San Jose, man. Were you really? I was in downtown San Jose. Jeez. In so October 17th. 20 miles south of the epicenter. Uh-huh. Loma Prieta. Yeah. Right. I was down there and going, wow, all darkness. I mean, it impacted the whole region and uh, freaky, freaky night, man. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, uh, Sonoma, I don't, I don't know how far we were from the epicenter, but it was the weirdest earthquake I'd ever been through. Most of them were kind of rattlers and, you know, they kind of and then they're kind of gone. And you're like, was that an earthquake? You're like, yeah. Or you get a little wobble. You're like, was yeah, that an earthquake. And you're like, yeah. But this one was weird. Yeah. It was like being on the ocean. Yeah. Like, yeah, on- you hear people well, say that, right? Uh, I remember because it was rush hours, 504. Mm-hmm. And people, like some of my friends who were driving on 280, saying, like, yeah, hey, I thought I had a flat tire. Yeah. I had pulled over. And then they're watching everybody pull over. Yeah. I know um, Candace is in the Santa Cruz Mountains, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or I want, because that's, that's, that's where Loma Prieta is at. Yeah. Uh, within the Santa Cruz mountains. So, um, but you saw some damage, like when you, in, you're talking 1989, modern technology is, yeah, rapid news, right, channel. But when you heard on the radio that the bridge had collapsed, yeah, you thought the whole bridge collapsed. Well, it right. turns out it was just a section and some people died, unfortunately. Yeah, but what one the, guy drove off, what? Yeah, and what people forget that when you started to see the images out of the San Francisco the marina district with the fires with the apartments collapsing as tragic as that was people forget that the 580 uh on on, on in oakland that had just collapsed yeah and that was an ugly scene like oh, yeah. the top section collapsing to the huh. the to to not to the bottom because there were sections on top there was there was like one section and then a section on top of that Right. The bottom section, the first section didn't never collapse, but the top one fell on that like pancake. It was, and people died there. Like they were smashed. It's like, yeah. Uh, and we never talked that much about the Oakland side. It's yeah. always San Francisco. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy, man. Um, it was a scary time. I was, that I was, was uh, we yeah. moved up here right after that. So that was what, 1989, 90. Yeah. 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 I have these things, man. October 17th is one of them. I have uh, January 28th, 1986, when the Challenger blew up. Mm-hmm. You know, I have these dates that are in my head when I think about what life was at that time. Of course, September 11th is, yeah. is you know, you know where you were at. Yeah. But I have these dates like, uh, you know, October 17th all the time. Right. <laughs> it's okay. 
it's uh, that was earthquake time. And I remember this vividly because we're there now that scientists were saying, well, you know, we will have a similar earthquake, uh, you know, in, in um, you know, 30 years. Well, in 2019, it was 30 years. Right. I mean, that's how fast it goes. Wow. It's been that long. Yeah. 1989. Holy shit. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, I think about these sporting dates. I brought up the Alamo not too long ago when I was disgusted when I went to go see the Alamo. I didn't go in, but people are taking selfies and they're like, mm, do they realize? No. Do they know what happened here? And they don't. No, they don't. They don't. Right. And, and the Alamo has a different meaning for me. The Alamo is tied to the Texas independence and Texas independence. Ugly. It's ugly. Oh yeah. It, it, the point is it's, it's the, we went into civil war in the 1860s because of slavery, right? Th that's what it was. It wasn't anything. Else. It was a slavery. It right. was a dark moment and we needed to make our minds up. And that's why we went into civil war. Well, Texas was the South. They were pro-slavery. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. when you think about the Alamo, that's, that's, that's a battle that was used by president Polk to make sure that he could get the, the, the manifest destiny and how the impact of California. And most people don't know that most people don't know. So when we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, we think about, wait a minute, what was going around in that time? The French were trying to come up to reinforce the South during the civil war. Mm -hmm. Imagine if, if the Mexican dirt army in 1862 would have lost that battle of Cinco de Mayo, what would our country look like had the South won? Mm -hmm. Well, we got a little glimpse of that last five years, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Got right? We got a little glimpse of that. Let's, let's racism became cool again, right? Yeah. Make America great is really make racism cool again. And uh, we, we don't really think about those things. We, we don't get taught what the Alamo meant. Um, I didn't know about that, right? But the Alamo played a big part in how we, when people say, remember the Alamo, it has racism in that. Yeah. And a big old take what you want kind of mentality that's, you know, kind of big there. It was a crying. It was a crying thing. It was a cry for racism. Like uh, it. Remember, the Alamo has a lot of racism in it. And now, I, I that's my opinion. I, I'm uh -huh. not going to say I'm not going to write a book about it. But I would implore people to go figure out what that means, what the impact of the connection between the Alamo, Cinco de Mayo, and the freedoms that we enjoy today that we still have to fight for. Right? Crazy. It is. <laughs> Why are we still fighting? It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. But, you know, I'll fight until, well, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to teach. That's a better word. Yeah. I'm going to teach until, until, you know, we get there. And we might not be alive to see it, but it's, it's worth it. It's okay. worth it. I think we can move the pendulum though. Can't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's worth it. I mean, look, it's gone a people, long ways. You think, yeah. you think, yeah, about some, it. it's some people say, yeah, some people say that it's never been worse. Well, guess what, man? Mm. They used to burn crosses in people's front yards. Mm. We're not doing that. Maybe we're doing that in a different way, right? Passive aggressive way. Sure. Uh, by not hiring more women into leadership positions. 
or you know wow the fact that there's more minorities in prisons than than there are white people but yeah uh but we are we live a better life today than we did 100 years ago oh yeah yeah and let's not forget that i mean you know electricity right the light switch talk about being grateful for just the light switch we we get to flip a light switch and then we get light instantaneously so you know people used to burn their houses trying to get Night at LA, right? oh, story about the light switch. My wife and I, when we first got together, we lived in a cabin up in the mountains, no electricity, mm-hmm. and we used lanterns. So when we finally moved to our house, um, we uh, apartment. It was like the light switch. We would just turn it on. Look, lights, look, lights. You know, because we'd get home at night and be like, oh, we forgot to put kerosene in the lanterns. You know, light mm-hmm. a candle, and then you're trying to you know, light a, find a candle and then light a kerosene lamp and, you know, you fill it up with, with fuel. And <laughs> it's nice to have a light switch. Gratitude, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're probably a busy man, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I have a few things that uh, I have to get ready for a four o'clock. Um, yeah. Um, you know, podcasting, you'll never get rich off it unless, you know, you get lucky, but even then it's not a reason to strive. So, uh, I have a, a four o'clock interview with a high tech company and uh, this, it's a second interview. So they put me forward again. So I, I we'll do, a little, uh, look- do a little promo for your, for your podcast. Oh, okay. Well, uh, thank you. You know, I, I, I struggle doing this, but yeah, I, I host a podcast. It's a storytelling podcast about growing up in, in a taco truck in the early eighties and nineties in San Jose, California, but it really is a tribute to my parents because it's really them who, who, who's the stories about. So I share, you know, 15, 20 minute episodes where I give a story about growing up at that time and how that contributed to a good life today. And so it's, it's a storytelling podcast. I I rarely have interviews in there. Um, And it's, you know, some of the best compliments I've gotten. Some people have said it's, it's a, it's a, it's a podcast about life. Others have said it's a humor that I, I take the word tacos and I find a deeper meaning to it. And I do, I, I, yeah. I've always been an insightful person. And so I, you know, I, I tell those stories. I incorporate a little bit of music. And at the end, I hope that you get out of a, a message of how to enjoy life. Yeah. You know, to look at it from a different angle. And if I get a chance to, uh, help people see that uh, tacos and Mexicans aren't just what you see on television. There's a different story to that. Like uh, my mission is to try to get that word taquero to be put up there with executive chef because yeah. my dad was a taquero and he was more than just a, a food prep guy. He, he was a, he was a great family man. He loved my mom first and foremost. Right. And a, everything else solved itself. But uh, I learned how to drive a car because of that taco truck I learned how to do customer service because of that taco truck. I learned how to make my own food because of that taco truck, flip my own tortillas without tongs because of that taco truck. And uh, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun podcast to, to listen to. So how do we find you? It's called 10,000 tacos. And uh, we are on Apple podcast, uh, Spotify as well as Pandora. So are the major platforms, but we also have a site 10,000 tacos.com. But if you're, you know, if it's too much to spell, it's 10K tacos. 
com and you go to our site we we got to update our, our site but uh, yeah if you could wherever you get your podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast most likely you could find it there Ten thousand tacos that's what the and when you see a, a a logo of a taco truck that's that's how you know you're there <laughs> well i love you brother and glad we finally got this together and uh, appreciate that man i love you too yeah, man. This, this has been excellent Hey, y'all, if uh, you enjoyed this, listen to 10,000 10, Tacos, 10K Tacos. Uh, you can find it on all the formats. Uh, check out it. Check it out, 10,000 Tacos, 10ktacos.com. Yeah. Uh, parting words that I like to say to everybody is love yourself. Really get good at that. Look yourself in the mirror and say, I love you. It's really important um, that you hear that. Because, you know, for some of us, it may be the only, you may be the only one saying it right now. But as long as you keep saying it, others are going to start saying it too. Because they're going to see it. Once you start loving yourself, you start to vibrate at a love frequency. And people dig the love frequency. It's like the best radio station. So they'll tune into you. So start loving yourself. And then love your others. Once you get, once you fill your cup up, go ahead and uh, pour off your excess to everyone else. And uh, be a giver. Be a lover. Mm -hmm. You got a parting word for us, brother? Well, I usually end uh, these shows that, that I do with talk quotes, and it's a quote with a, a quote. little bit of a taco <laughs> twist to it. Uh, and the one that comes to mind is uh, don't be afraid to flip tortillas with your bare hands, you know, get in there and, and flip them with your bare hands because it, it'll give you some good, uh, some insights of how, how life feels sometimes. Don't be afraid to get in there and get, get you know. No clue for you. Pinch the top edge and then just rip that puppy over just flip yeah. it <laughs> but thanks man this has been fun gary appreciate that man. appreciate thank you Cedro. you have a great day man and likewise uh, man likewise we'll talk soon man we'll see each other i'll, in our I'll see you in in the in the clubhouse on the clubhouse streets yes yes look forward to it my brother thank you man <laughs>